Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to week 214 and video episode number 40 of Music Is Not A Genre. Each week I take a release or three from my collection, I discuss them, I give you my take on them, I throw in some other interesting information related and somewhat unrelated, I connect them to my music and to things in the world. If you like this podcast or my other podcast or any of the recorded or live music on this channel, please take a moment to subscribe to Music Is Not A Genre, It's Everything, that's my channel. Please subscribe, uh, and or if you think someone else might like something that you've seen, or the idea that music is everything, and they are fully immersed in music in so many ways, they love music of all kinds, please uh, take a moment to share the link to uh, this channel or to any of the videos here. I would really appreciate uh, the sharing and subscribing. Thank you. This week, the topic is about thrift stores. It's about um, finding gems that are sort of maybe not gems, but because you find them in thrift stores, then they are. Um, and the idea that uh, found sound is always awesome. And I don't mean found sound in the way of uh, the way composers and producers use it. I'm talking about just stuff you find that you weren't expecting to find, right? So there are three, as you see. All three of these albums I did get uh, at a thrift store. Uh, I'm pretty sure I may even have gotten them at the same thrift store, and I believe it was in Seattle. Uh, though don't quote me on that. Uh, I've only been there once, and I couldn't tell you the name of the store. Uh, each one of these has its own kind of reason for being a gem, a reason why I bought them. And, uh, you know, this, of course, is hearkening back to a time when we felt, you know, less anxiety or maybe no anxiety walking through stores and thrift stores and things like that. Thrift stores, as you know, they can get kind of musty and dusty and crowded. And that's not something that we necessarily want to be uh, around uh, in uh, October 2020. So yes, that's my fake watch on my on my wrist. You like it. Um, it's, a, it's a fake eye watch, actually. It really works great. Um, and the, you know, couple of my points here. One point is that it, I think it's true that anything you find in a thrift store is, is interesting. First of all, it's something that someone else once loved or liked or inherited. Uh, they owned it. They listened to it is what you assume. And for whatever reason needed to get rid of it. They're, they they uh, are now sharing it with someone else, you could say. But they had some reason for not wanting it anymore or not needing it anymore. They may have gone up a format to, you know... CDs or digital, uh, you know, streaming, things like that. Who knows? Or, you know, 
it, it takes a lot of effort to carry around vinyl and I've got vinyl that goes like this wide and uh, every time you know we move it comes with us and those are the ones that I decided I wanted to keep like forever not even counting the ones that I that I got rid of um, you know and the other thing about thrift stores which is true for anything you buy in a thrift store whether it's clothing or furniture or this is that it's it's random. It's all random. There's no, there, you know, the person who runs a thrift store may put it all together in an organized way, but the, the fact that it is there, the, the it is the, it, you know, at all is the random part of it. And that I think is, is cool for, you know, especially today because so much of what we do online is not random it's curated for us we may there are times where we meet we may even think that oh i randomly stumbled across something but don't forget about cookies don't forget about algorithms they are pumping things towards us that that that, that you know it, it's the program says we like that we want to see so you have to make a little bit of extra effort to actually find some random things and honestly in many ways it takes longer to do that online than it may walking into a thrift store. Um, and just the visceral, you know, feeling of being in a thrift store and finding something that you weren't even really looking for is kind of cool, you know. And that definitely describes this week's three albums. Now, each of these three albums, I think, to me, is, is a sort of a found gem in a, in a different way. So the first one, all the way over here, I feel like a weather person right now. Um, that's the, that's the, the front that's coming towards us is the, uh, United Artists release of the soundtrack to a hard day's night by a little known band called the Beatles. And, um, the main reason I got this is because uh, up until then, I never owned an actual Beatles album. I have a 45 of, um, I feel fine. And I think She's a Woman is on the back of it. But that was a release that they re-released in the 70s or something like that. This is an original pressing of Hard Day's Night, you know, from 64. And um, I just felt like, well, shoot, I'm such a huge Beatles fan. I should probably own something of theirs on vinyl. As you can see, it doesn't even have the, you know, the uh, cover, you know. And didn't matter. It was like a dollar or something like that. So... I got this, and it's also partly because my dad owned every single one of their, bought every single one of their albums as they came out in the years they came out. So he had that whole collection. And this was me just, you know, kind of tipping the hat to that and saying, I got to have at least one, right? Um, the second one in the middle here, a uh, very nice illustration, and, and I like the pink color, is um, a greatest hits of Artie Shaw. If you don't know Artie Shaw, He's a big band leader, 30s, 40s, 50s, probably, possibly beyond that. Um, and for some reason, out of all the big band leaders back then, Glenn Miller and all of those, Artie Shaw was my favorite. And I think, I think it was primarily because, for some reason, my ears were very tuned to liking the clarinet. That was his main instrument. Like every band leader had, you know, main instrument. I think Glenn Miller was trumpet, I want to say. Uh... And he, there were ways in which he influenced me, you know, just based on the fact that he played clarinet as a lead. I thought it was odd. It wasn't that odd back then, but to me it was odd as a kid. And Begin to Begin and all that, and, and In the Evening by the Moonlight, or, you know, uh, things like that. Um, this collection does have that, that, that you know, one of many uh, Artie Shaw collections, greatest hits. 
and it just was kind of a nice surprise to find something in a thrift store randomly that I had already been interested in. And again, I think I have, actually, I don't know if I have already shown any other format. So it was great to be able to pick this up and it's in really good condition, actually. Uh, I wrote below, if you read the text, it was like the universe saying, we know. But, you know, that's part of the randomness. You, don't, you just happen upon something that you're like, oh, wow, you know what? I actually really like this. I think that these days Artie Shaw is somebody who's kind of obscure. And so I've kind of divided this into you can find gems that are well-known that you just really want. Gems that are kind of obscure that maybe you know or you, you sort of know of. And you're like, wow, I didn't, I couldn't believe I found something like that. And then the third, which is this beautiful one right next to my shoulder here, which actually does have a picture of weather. So, you know, now it's official. I'm Storm Field or whatever. And uh, this one is something that I had never seen before by an artist I had never heard of before and had cover art that reminded me and reminds me of kind of a mix of like, if, if Bob Ross were to design a cover for Yacht Rock, that's, I think, how it would look. And the tinting of this, which amazingly matches the, you know, Artie Shaw, they're kind of, they kind of go together. It's like part of a decor is also pretty awesome. And then, come on, the title, Canadian Sunset, and then you have this, and, and it's just, there's a, there's a, again, a randomness to all this. I had no idea what this album was but the minute I saw it, I'm like, I have to have it. I mean, I had some idea because if you look on the back, uh, living stereo, if you look on the back, it says Eddie Haywood and he's playing the piano and it's clear there's a jazz element to this. So, and you know, I'm into jazz, uh, most kinds anyway. So I figured uh, this is pretty an easy, you know, it's an easy get. So let me get this. It, there, there's a, there's a kind of a kitsch value to it, of course, There's a, and there's a, like a cheesiness to the cover, to the title. Um, and so what I did was uh, listen to it and studied it. Because, you know, I try to do that before I do these talks, right? And let me tell you that the music matches the cover and the title. Now, I was unaware that Eddie Haywood, who was the artist here, uh, was a, you know, very good jazz pianist and composer. And he worked with people like Benny Carter and Billie Holiday and so many others. Uh, and this title track, Canadian Sunset, was a hit for, I want to say, Andy Williams subsequent to the release of this. Um, and, you know, awesome. Uh, that's great. But what struck me about the music on the album was that it was kind of a, it was very typical 1950s jazz album. And there are many kinds of 1950s jazz. You don't lump it into one, but it was a typical of one of one strain. And I really believe actually two strains. It was kind of a mashup of that kind of late, but not too late in the evening lounge jazz. Easy going, but with a little pep to it, you know, that kind of thing. But then it was smothered with the sugary strings and some brass and all of that, that kind of had that feeling of like a Montavani or a less quirky Esquivel, you know, 
And in fact, I even say below, like it, 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 it doesn't quite get as cheesy as Montavani, which I'm not saying that's bad, you know, um, he's had resurgences over the years because of that kitsch factor, I think, and because there was a quality of a sort to Montavani. Um, it doesn't quite rise to that level of cheese and it doesn't quite, doesn't at all get to the quirkiness of Esquivel, which if you don't know Esquivel, E-S-Q-U-I-V-E-L, or just read it below, go find Esquivel because that's like freaky. There's just, how could something that, you know, quirky and weird have been, uh, you know, a hit back then? And what we forget is that quirky and weird shit has been around forever. And this is, that was just one example. But again, this is not that. And there's an easygoingness and a cool cat kind of feel um, uh, the way like Vince Guaraldi, who of, of, you know, Charlie Brown fame, Peanuts fame, but who did many, many other things. was an extremely uh, well-respected composer and, and jazz pianist. Uh, doesn't quite match that either, you know. Um, there are some flourishes that give it a quality, but overall, it's just a giant block of cheddar. It's just it. And, and, you know, if you're feeling kind of mellow one evening for one reason or another and you want to throw something on, it's, uh, look it up. It's on Spotify. These are all on Spotify, of course, or and YouTube and things like that. YouTube may be easier to get to for people who don't have Spotify accounts. Um, and yes, this is free promotion for you guys. So give me the money, please. Money, please. And um, that's, you know, I think all of those factors together make me very happy that I own this. And honestly, of all these three, even though they kind of go in order in terms of favorite music, Beatles, Artie Shaw, and then, you know, Eddie Haywood, uh, who I, you know, was happy to learn about, frankly. He was actually the son of another jazz um, pianist from like the 1920s and all of that. Of those three, this is the one that I would display. Uh, I'm actually considering finding a place to put it here in the home because it's just such a unique cover, you know, and, and the title and all that. And then that awesome, you know, what does it say? Living stereo. My God, I love that, you know, uh, these like little period things. And just to bring it around to something super connected, because that's connection is one of my big things, music, conversation and connection. Uh, my, 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 uh, brain put all these together and the idea of well-known kind of obscure and unknown or super obscure and, uh, came up with the thought that that's how I like to create music. Uh, when I am writing and, 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 and in particular producing music, I tend to combine well-known elements like, you know, certain chord progressions or rhythms and things like that with more obscure things with maybe the way I word, you know, certain wordings that might, you know, be a little more uh, uh, conversational than some other lyricists and things like that. Certain sounds and arrangements, keyboard sounds, things like that, that are um, not unknown, but a little more obscure, a little more, you know, unique to the way I do things. And then throw in something completely unknown, like uh, I always have a track of uh, trash vocals, I call them, and just to have fun, just to completely let loose. It have nothing to do with the melody or the harmony or anything or any of the words sometimes. And I'll end up maybe using some of those elements in along with the uh, song itself. And uh, those three ideas together 
pretty much sum up the way I create music. They, they don't give you a lot of uh, idea of the sound because there can be many different sounds of music that's created that way. But that's, you know, I think a good way to think of it. And um, that, I think, is a good way to approach music in general, whether you are a composer, you know, producer or listener, is to try to create that mix of... Um, well-known things that people can hook on to, something a little that's very personal to you and the way you do things, and then something that's just off the wall, that's just completely woo, you know, and, and um, it's not just obscure, but unknown to even to you until you do it, you know. Uh, any of my songs could be a good example of that, especially lately, but I think the one that I uh, am going to name check is a song called Make Me Mike My Mouth, which I've used before, but I keep coming back to. It's one of the singles off of uh, my band Rex EP, Syzygy for the Weird, which is also on Spotify and YouTube and all those places, and you know iTunes and Amazon and Pandora and Napster, believe it or not, which is still around. Um, it, it has some pretty clear melodic hooks and, and the rhythm is pretty straightforward, but it has a, some obscure, you know, um, more obscure like keyboard passages and certain ways that I, you know, use my voice and, the, and the, the lyrics, some of the lyrics. And then I just went completely off the wall with some trash vocal tracks and things like that and layered that in and came up with that. Right. So anyway, that's uh, that sums up this week. It actually goes back to the uh, actual definition of found sound because some of what I used in that track was found sound, including another track, which I'm going to name check, The Power of Repetition Everlasting, which I'll be releasing on my next EP, which will come out, I believe, this month, October 2020. Uh, used found sound, uh, recorded something I heard in a subway and, and threw it in there. Um, anyway, enough about that. I want to know what you think. Do you have any connection with any of these artists? Can you tell me more about Eddie Haywood? I would love to hear if you know Eddie Haywood. Do you have an affinity for Artie Shaw? Uh, thoughts on the Beatles? Yeah, absolutely, as always. Do you like stumbling across music you never thought you'd find or buy? Whether that's in a thrift store or online, but particularly in a thrift store since that's a subject this week. Do you think thrift stores are awesome on like every level? Or they creep you out? Like I, I you know, you might have a completely different opinion of that. I want to know. I always want to know what you think. Uh, whether you love, hate, agree, or disagree with anything I'm saying, please come back at me. I, I, I want to start that and continue that conversation because as always, my objective here, objectives are music, conversation, and connection. Thank you for listening and watching and reading and clicking and sharing and subscribing. And I will uh, see you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 